Hey, welcome to the club. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce our podcast and explain what we do. We will go over mysterious and unsolved cases, a bit of the paranormal, and of course, conspiracies. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcast provider. Also, a new episode of The Cloak comes out every Monday. So don't forget to join the conversation on Facebook forward slash The Cloaked Podcast and catch us on Twitter at The Cloaked underscore. And don't forget to like and rate us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. And now on with the show. Blue. Blue, blue, check, check, check. All right, all right. All right, guys. So, welcome to another episode of The Cloaked. I am your host, White Owl. And of course, as the last couple of days, I've been giving you, well, not the last couple of days, but last couple of episodes, I've been giving you guys these short stories. And uh, this whole month, I'm pretty much giving you that. Um, short stories are pretty interesting, not, not really big on the full case investigation because not every case we can do a full investigation on some of these um, would definitely have theories and things like that. But, you know, I just wanted to give you guys a month full of stories. And so this again, no different than any other story. This one actually takes place across the pond. Now, this uh, episode is about the Hexham, Hexham heads. Uh, there were a pair of a small stone heads that were found in the small English town of Hexham back in 1971. Now, these uh, unknown heads, you know, they were carved and they are associated with the paranormal phenomenon. Now, this um, these little artifacts are actually, they're actually associated with a bit of a controversy, not just the paranormal itself but um, rather the controversy of where these heads actually originated from now story obviously begins in the town of Hexham back in 1971 these heads were actually dug up by two young men by the name of Colin and Leslie Robinson who found them in their backyard in their garden now this is back in 1971 so you know uh, sources tend to differ but like the Robinson family they were pretty strange phenomenon whenever they dug out these heads now they claim all sorts of things that happened at their house. Now, you know, um, those who are familiar with the th- idea and the theory that there are ghosts that attach themselves to certain objects, whether because there was like a favorite thing or there was emotion tied to it, um, th- there could be several th- reasons why. Uh, they would be tied to either, and this is the thing, it's not just things, you know, an object. Sometimes, obviously, places, um, they could be, uh, sometimes even a, 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 the object itself could be like residual, you know, it could activate either on a time of day or a, a anniversary or some sort. So, but like it, to go further i mean it, it, these objects tend to have some kind of emotional attachment and tethered these people 
that were once alive are tethered to these objects for many reasons. And, you know, it, it, these, uh, these heads, um, you know, um, they, it could have some kind of, a, you know, story. But as we dive deep into these hexam heads, um, the phenomenon that was attached to them, I mean, it just ranges, and it's all over the place. Now, the Robinson family, you know, reported these strange phenomenon, um, being, you know, things being moved, um, the doors being opened, bottles mysteriously thrown against the wall. Now, the family next door, the Dodd family, also reported a phenomenon as well. And one of the boys' hair um, was pulled uh, in the night, and his mother, uh, Nelly, right, of, of the young man, um, saw a half-man, half-sheep figure leaving the house shortly after that occurred. Now, there's a lot of uh, monsters, you would say, are attached to this. Now, the heads were, of course, give it to a doctor to kind of like do more research uh, this doctor name was Anne Ross, and she's an expert on Celtic artifacts. Now, according to the doctor, uh, Dr. Ross, uh, uh, doctor's own account, now, obviously, having these artifacts also uh, abridge a phenomenon even further. Now, Dr. Ross claims she woke up in the morning and saw a part animal, part man figure walking out of the room. She followed it downstairs and saw it heading towards the direction of the kitchen. Now, she lost track of it. A few days later, her daughter also reported something similar after returning from, uh, from home, from school. She saw a large, dark, werewolf-like figure on the stairs that jumped over the banister and into the corridor before vanishing. Now, the wolf is also believed to be in relation to the Hexham wolf. Now, that's like a whole other thing. Uh, this is back in 1904. Now, the Hexham wolf was, um, and some of you uh, across the pond may uh, know it as something different. Um, the Allendale wolf, or the wolf of Allendale, um, was a gray wolf that escaped from the zoo and killed livestock in Hexham. Now, the Allendale and Northern, Northumberland, I'm not sure I'm not saying that, Northumberland, uh, during the winter of 1904, now there's conflicting reports according to this, that it was a black tan or a dun, although uh, largely reported as being a large male, like a large wolf. Now, this is now being reported now the thing with this is that is there a beast you know a creature that's actually a tied to this or or is the um are these heads actually making things um more alive or become aware or if they're near a facility that you know um it's, it's supposed to be some, there's a child that's, you know, that died or something or passed away or there's a woman that passed away. Would it make that ghost more stronger, more visible, you know, gain more energy? You know what I mean? Um, does it actually make 
things that normally wouldn't have strength to have the strength to move objects, to be seen, to be heard. Um, you know, what if this, um, these hexam heads actually give power uh, to whoever, whoever has them in their possession? Um, now, these hexam heads are actually pretty weird looking. If you see it, um, it looks like one of them's missing their nose. Uh, they look. I don't know, they look pretty uh, strange in appearance. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to say is that, um, you know, these things are very fucking strange. I don't know if, you know, anybody would um, classify them as actually artifacts, but they look like they could potentially be artifacts. Uh, now, Ross also reports that the feeling of a cold presence in her study room bursting open and, you know, uh, the apparent cause or another apparent sighting of the dark figure. So, you know, is this dark figure or this creature tied to this? Um, so Dr. Ross equated all the phenomenon to the hexam heads. You know, these phenomena are somehow attached to them. So anytime these heads are in some kind of setting or sighting, um, something is activated. Uh, and again, it goes to the idea that are these heads acting like some kind of energy, like batteries? Are they are they amping up the phenomena? You know, maybe the phenomenon is low and it's a low frequency where no one can hear or see them. But if these heads are in the facility, maybe maybe it creates like a, like a surge of energy to these phenomena, to the ghost, to the creature. Possible. I mean, without a control testing. It's very hard to say that, you know, it, it, that it isn't possible or if it is possible or even eliminating the possibility. Now, the uh, Dr. Ross continues that the incidents have allegedly stopped whenever they were removed uh, the heads from her house, along with, uh, the, you know, uh, two other objects. Now, a man named uh, Desmond Craig Craig. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, reported that he was the creator of the heads. Now, this is where the controversy begins. Uh, he said he made these heads back in 1956 for his daughter. Now, um, while he was living in the house later, a cop, so this is the same house that the family Robinson um, used to live in. And he says that you know, they lived in that house and he made those heads what they were in that house. And I guess these heads were, you know, were just these replicas that he made. Um, uh, he made himself for his daughter. Uh, so this uh, Robinson's family uh, who lived there, along with their third head that became damaged, um, had to be thrown away. Now, Craig, who worked on the company that dealt with concrete at the time, allegedly created these heads. Uh, he says he made some replicas to demonstrate that this was his claim, that these were something that he did. Now, these replicas weren't satisfactory to the original heads. Now, the original heads were analyzed by a professor from uh, Professor Dearman from the University of Newcastle, who concluded that the items had been molded artificially rather than carved. Now, the original heads were lost um, and no one knows really where their whereabouts are now. 
the idea that these heads uh, could have been something that, again, maybe somebody gave the the idea and these uh, these kids who had these heads somehow manifested the phenomenon, something like a poltergeist, if you will. Now, it's very possible. It wouldn't be the first time that uh, something like this um, has happened. Um, you know, sometimes you gain an object and, you know, there's a story behind it and maybe the story's fake, but you believe in it so much that it comes true. You manifest um, the idea. Somebody tells you that, you know, you're living in an area where, you know, let's say, or actually, let's go, let's go a little bit further. Let's say you move into a house and they say, that in this house, you know, somebody was murdered. And so you're living in this place. And now you have this idea of, of terror that overwhelms your mind and your creativity. Now, you're one of those people that um, fear or have like these really bad creativity where it, it just kind of overwhelms you and it takes over the of your belief that something could be remaining like a ghost for example um, if somebody has passed away in the place you're living and somebody tells you that you moved into a house where somebody either a died or recently got killed there you're going to believe that there's something's happening um, by the small little events that occur and you start feeding into this thought that Something could be happening there because you have heard this story and then you start crediting certain things to the story. Now, that is very possible. And again, that's it, one of those things that, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, that that hasn't happened uh, to a lot of people who, you know, get pranked on. You know, it's something that's very possible. But... Um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time that someone has uh, bought an object at an antique store or found something that you know that would have been in the property, whether it be in a house or in a park or somewhere along a dirt road, and you find this object and you take it home, you risk a factor of it being haunted or possessed by something else. Now, there's a lot of a uh, lot of stories out there. Um, personally, I know one um, from from an antique store, and this story was told by another friend of mine, and who whose uh, sister had actually bought a uh, uh, this. Uh, it wasn't a doll per se. It was more like a figurine, right? And uh, this figurine was that of a ballerina. And so he uh, he was telling me that he, you know, his sister bought this uh, ballerina thing and it looked really nice. It looked it didn't look anything special. It didn't look like it was rare or a true antique, but it, it, it was definitely something that you would see in someone's house, like in the like in the 60s or something. It was kind of old, but it wasn't old, like an antique old um, for some of some for some of us people that that look at these antiques, you wouldn't think that it was anything special. Maybe somebody got it from a dollar store or, you know, something out of a bin from, you know, from some kind of thrift store or something, you know, something. It just didn't look anything special, but it looked really nice. Now, 
by him saying that, I you get the idea that maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't anything special or rare or anything like a collectible, but it looked and so his sister loved this, you know, this little uh, ballerina thing, and it was ceramic, and you know, again, um, somewhat proportional to that of, of a ballerina. You know, it looked a little off. The leg was a little heavy. Um, the arms looked frail. The paint job on it, um, again, wasn't all that appeasing, and, and there was nothing unique about it really. Uh, just that it looked nice, right? And so. My friend tells me he's a, he's one day he's he's watching TV and he's in he's in the couch, you know, ruffling, in the kitchen and he assumes his his mom or his dad or his, his sister or maybe the family dog or cat, um, in 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 the kitchen, and so he doesn't really think anything of it. He continues on, and he's flicking through channels and he noticed there's someone standing, by the fridge now based on the reflection. Of the TV, there's somebody standing next to the fridge, and he doesn't really recognize him. He first catches, okay, there's somebody. He hears the noise, so the shuffling of feet, um, someone wearing some kind of slippers or something, and he hears this and he he sees this this person. He's like, that's that's not my dad. Doesn't look like my mom. My mom, you know, she's she'll be this type height or in this body and uh, his body shape and his that's not his sister and his sister would have said something and so he slowly turns he's turning towards the kitchen he's trying to he, he has this fear right he's he's building anxiety he doesn't know he's kind of scared but he you know he, he's not quite sure and so you know and let me let me let me give you a little backstory of why he wasn't sure a few years ago, there his grandmother also lived in the house, and she had unfortunately passed away. And uh, my friend believed that his grandmother's soul, ghost, was still in the house. That she would go away somewhere else, and then she'll come back. And he claimed that he would feel her presence. Now, with that being said, you know he thinks he thinks that maybe maybe it's his grandmother. His grandmother's back or something, right? And so he's so he's slowly, he's slowly trying to turn. He's turning. And he, he he peeks over his couch and he's looking towards the direction of, of of the fridge, and he sees this little older white-haired lady that seems to be in her late sixties or so frail, you know, um, wearing some type of gown of some sort, and he sees this lady, and he's like, that's not my grandma, who the fuck is this, who the fuck is this, he's just staring at this ghost, because he says he can somewhat see through her, and she's not fully complete in a way, she's kind of like, blotchy and you know see-through in certain areas and she could kind of see the face and it's like it's not her it's not her who is this who is this and so you know he freaks out and then boom he says that it disappeared like it was standing there and it was gone like it just vanished and so you know 
he would say that he once in a while would hear like footsteps or somebody in the kitchen and he knew there was nobody in the kitchen and everyone was asleep because they had work or school the next day. And so he just wasn't sure. So, I mean, it just, it bothered him for years. And then one day, one day I'm talking to him, you know, about what was happening. And he's like, oh yeah, he starts telling me the story and his sister's walking in and and, um, you know, we're, we're having this conversation and he tells me, you know, of all the things that he would hear. And he's getting to this part where, you know, he once like opened the, his door to check down the hall. And he said he would see somebody walking that was an older lady and wasn't his wasn't his uh, grandmother. And so as he's telling us this story, you know, his sister has this look and she kind of she she says hey uh, you know i didn't know you were having these uh, experiences at the house and you know she starts saying she had experience you know she was saying that you know one day you know she got up in the middle of the night and she felt thirsty and she was going to go get something to drink and she walked towards the kitchen and she opened the fridge grabbed a bottle of water she um we went to go get a snack or something and she's walking around the uh, kitchen island and she's walking around this person appeared and was walking in the kitchen and she she freaked out she froze uh, where she was standing was seeing this and she was speechless and she backed into the wall and she says she closed her eyes and she didn't want to see what was there and she would peek and then this ghost this ghost of a woman was gone and so you know and they you know opened up and she gave us even more stories that you know she would again hear these footsteps walking down the hall and someone at the kitchen um, just staring at the fridge in a way but it wasn't like you know, they had opened the fridge or tried to open the fridge, and it wasn't directly at the at the refrigerator. They just happened to stand like in front of it, but not directly at it. I don't know. And so, um, you know, they would see this person. They would see this person over over again. And uh, another friend was actually there, and 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 she suggested, well, maybe this this person had passed away. You know, in in the house before they moved in at some point, and he goes, "No, this this is at at the at the new house." You know, they they lived somewhere in a different side of the neighborhood, and then they moved to an area where it was newly developed. It was new houses. These are new houses in an area that no one lived. Um, watching the lady in a certain type of uh, clothing that was, you know, f- possibly from, you know, in the last 20 years or so. And so, they I mean, they couldn't really tell, but this lady was an older lady. And uh, this, and so what ends up, what ends up telling them that it was this ballerina, this is how they find out, you know, his sister goes off to college, right? And she takes this ballerina with her right she's attached to this takes it to college and 
she had uh, another roommate. It was her and this other girl, and uh, they're they're asleep. And one day she hears the girl go, "Okay, okay, I had enough. I had enough. I had enough." She's yelling. She's yelling. I had enough. I had enough. And her voice is going up and up and up. And she's repeating, "I had enough," over and over and over and over again. And her she wakes up. Right, uh, my friend's sister wakes up, and she's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Turns on the lights, and she goes, "Why do you keep getting up in the middle of the night?" And just walk around and pace in this room. You know, she's like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm I'm asleep. You woke me up. And she's like, no, every other night you get up and you just pace and pace and pace for like 20 minutes in the room. And then finally you go you go back to sleep or something. Or I don't know if you're, you're just sleepwalking or what's happening, but you keep doing this every other night. And she's like, no, that's... No, that that's I'm not doing that. I'm not. There's no way that is me. Like you must be hearing things. There's something off. You know, there it doesn't make any sense, right? And so, you know, uh, one of the nights, um, they kept one of the lights open. Actually, I think it was like some kind of night light or some sort. Um, that she uh, she didn't really explain, but like some kind of light was left on. I don't know, it was from the computer or maybe it was a night light, which I think it was a night light. Anyways, a light was left on, you know, to kind of illuminate the room, but not completely. So they fall asleep. And then she starts hearing, the roommate starts hearing this pasting. She looks and it's not her friend. It's not my friend's friend. It's not, it's not her, the, the other roommate. It's an older lady standing in the middle of the room. So... She throws like something at my friend and she wakes up and they're both staring at this lady and she's thinking, fuck, this lady has followed me to the dorm. What the fuck? What's happening? And so, you know, it was one of those things that it bothered her for a while and she got. Uh, they. She eventually moved to uh, an apartment after her uh, second year, and she moved down to uh, to an apartment with some other friends. And you know, she got rid of some things. And uh, you know, uh, one of the things that she kept was that ballerina. And the same thing would happen. The same thing ended up happening at the at the apartment with her friends. One of the friends claimed that they saw a ghost of a lady and they think that that lady had died at this apartment that they had moved in. And she knew that that wasn't the case, that it was this ghost that had followed her again. She, that, that's pretty much how she figured that it was this it was this ballerina that she had bought years ago. And, uh, you know, it's it was one of those things where it was one of those things where the person was attached to this object. This person clearly liked the object that it was um, tethering to. And so, you know, it, it must have been like one of their favorite things. There was some kind of emotional bonding with this object. And it happens a lot. And more than you think, sometimes it happens with watches, jewelry, you know, rings, especially. Um, it could happen to cars. Um, it could happen to like a you know anything a deck of cars a, a gun um, a suitcase 
It could happen to a camera. It could happen to anything. Clothing. Um, yeah, I know. Clothing. Even sometimes clothing. But especially if it's vintage or something. Um, and that, that that person loved that that object or that whatever it may have been. So it is possible. You know, it, you know and you kind of think about it. You know, even modern, modern stuff, tech stuff. You know, what if somebody becomes attached to like a Fitbit or like a phone or a computer, um, you know, the watch you're wearing right now, maybe you, you know, something happens and, you know, you become attached. It could be a lighter. It, it could be anything. And you think about it like in modern times, you know, you know, what if it's your, your Avenger figurine, you know, uh, you know, if you're X-Men or, you know, one of your Game of Thrones dolls, and it just, you know, it, it, times are changing and, you know, you could, Somebody could become attached to these type of, type of things. And, um, you know, it's very possible. And there's tons of stories like that. I've read tons of stories like that. And some, some are pretty cool and weird. And some of them are fucking scary. Uh, and I will definitely give you those stories in the future. Um, you know, I have tons of stories that from, from friends, from family. And uh, I definitely want to give you more of these stories now again if you like this episode please like and share with your friends uh give us a comment tell us whether you like these short stories and uh hit me up again on facebook on instagram and um on our twitter just blow us a comment send us you know tell us what you like what you don't like and again, share and like, give us a review. That's how our friends will find us. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Oh, and another thing before I leave, um, please donate. We have a PayPal account. We have Patreon. Uh, you could donate anything you want, uh, from everything from a dollar uh, to otherwise, whatever. Um, but please donate uh, so we can uh, buy Hoffman some new toys for him to experiment on the field because right now he's out there in the field and size doing his research and we need equipment and we definitely need food uh, as uh Cy continues to say we definitely need some sriracha <laughs> for over here in alaska and again um till the next time laters